Good day, brethren. I hope you're all smiling and sinking your teeth into what makes you happiest. Doing your best to ignore that click frenzy and media shitstorm that pervades our psyche every day. I'm your host, Josh Ellis, and I approve this message. Today's guest, Tim Kenham, is a highly successful businessman, programmer, and a friend of the show, whose office doors I just so happened to walk through when killing some time while my daughter was in a dancing class. His material and emotional worlds got turned upside down when his wife decided she'd leave the confines of marital bliss and pursue other avenues in life. His journey after that fact explored the darkness that any of us are likely to be familiar with. Faced with the stark reality of losing touch with his son Carter, he commenced reading, excessively arming himself with knowledge from all sides of psychological analysis and development. Engage with the show on the socials at Advice for Blokes on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, or leave us a voicemail on 02-9541-8450. Give it a like, subscribe and leave an iTunes review if that's the sort of thing that blows your skirt up. We'd definitely appreciate the feedback. Strap yourselves in for another enlightening foray into the consciousness of one of our fellow men and treat yourself to this happy thought today. Everything is going to be okay. You've got this. You're not alone out there, fellas. Take it sleazy and enjoy the show. Timothy, am I saying that right? Timothy Can Canham. You're saying Timothy wrong, but you're saying my surname right. Is it Tomothy? We'll take it. All right. Tim, welcome. Thanks very much for just coming and sitting uh, in the shed. Thanks, Josh. The uh, studio. Well, we normally do a cheers, but we don't have any beers in front of us. Cheers with water. You can water. cheers with water. I don't know if you're supposed to. Long time listener, first time caller. Happy to be here. <laughs> Good. So I should be able to quiz you on everything that's happened so far. Especially in as the long first as it's one to do with Raf. <laughs> that I listen to at episode. quarter speed. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bugger. That's pretty funny though. There, yeah, that's Dean that's that fucked that one up. Yeah, bless. Oh yeah, no, I know that was Dean. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> well, I showed you that photo. Yeah. Yeah. Um so we were uh talking about manly things generally. Manly mm. things like having feelings. Mm-hmm. What did you, you had a, uh, a pretty manly day today though. <laughs> yeah, although there was an inordinate number of chicks in the cars. So yeah, we, um, we went to the track, which was nice, Eastern, Eastern Creek. Creek. Mm. I took the, um, the Lexus, the ISF, which has got like 150,000 Ks on it now and is effectively a family wagon. Mm. Well, it's a sedan. Didn't it start that way? As a family sedan? Is it just a rear wheel drive Camry? It's effectively a tarted up Camry, yeah, with a Yamaha tuned <laughs> stonking great V8 in it. Anyway, but that was fun. 150,000 Ks on it. I think it's very funny because there were people there in their serious tricked out Porsches, you know, that they've just got for the track and all that. And I cruised up in the family, in the Camry, in the Camry. I did the same thing with the Falcon and, and I went there with the kids seats in the back of it. Yeah. The exact same sort I, of track day. I did take the kids seat out today. Pussy. Yeah. I, it wouldn't, yeah. Last time I left it in. So how many uh, how many midgets do you have? Just one, uh, young Carter. And what boy. about children? Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Carter's my midget. Children, different story. Yeah, so just one, five years old, five and a half now. Yeah, and when uh, I, I first met you, probably four years ago or so, something Sounds like that. It. Just kind of, it was a meet cute. I just wandered into your office. Yeah, apparently having pre-stalked me. No, no, I stalked you afterwards. Okay. Yeah, because I just happened to see the office there. Um, 
and then thought, okay, well, I'll just wander in and, and see what these guys do. As it turns out, four years later, not much, but <laughs> <laughs> I, did, I did get yeah. my Twitter stalk on, <laughs> as I said, and that's where I discovered that you uh, had a, um, a, a bent for uh, doing some music production. So during that time, we've been sort of on and off. We had talked about doing some stuff on a professional level together. <laughs> We still talk about it routinely. Yes, we do. And it's like my business. We don't do a lot. Yeah. So the ne- next upcoming product is Carmunication. Yeah. Yeah. Carmunicate. Yeah, I've been sitting on that idea for like a decade. Right. And apparently you have too. I have, yeah. We should have had this conversation earlier. But anyway, uh, check it out, carmunicate.com.au. Have you, re- have you registered that domain yet? Maybe I'll just change that. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll edit this out later. <laughs> Check it out. Car mute, <laughs> Check it out. Internet.com. <laughs> Colon slash slash. Um, was the... You've got a... Um, you, ha- you have that sort of high-level thinking that I think that a lot of tech people don't, don't really have. And you've been... Quite successful in your business, but during the years that, that I've known you, um, and I think there was a sort of period of about sort of 12 months where we didn't really talk and then picked up again and found out that you'd actually started heading down the path of a divorce. Yeah, that was why we weren't talking much for that 12 months. Right. That was um, a fairly isolating experience. Yes. How did you, um, how, how did that sort of grind your life to a halt and how did you manage to sort of talk your way or deal your way out of it? Hmm, it's a good question. I probably wouldn't put it in those terms looking back. Going into it, it just felt like a train wreck. Coming out of it, it looked like it was always going to happen. And I'm actually really happy that it happened much sooner rather than much later. Because we were heading down a pretty dark path. So, <clears throat> Is that possibly just that sort of... Um you know, 2020 hindsight and a bit of post-rationalisation as well? Or do May- you legitimately feel that that's, that's where it was going to end up anyway? All of the above, but I also feel that looking at my ex-wife and myself now, I feel that we're actually incredibly different people to who we were even three, four years ago. And I'm much more at peace with who I am and where I am now than the trajectory that I personally was heading on with my ex. And I don't think I could have ever gotten to where I am as a man, as a father, as a human, human citizen, business owner, any of the above, um, in that relationship. <clears throat> okay, so it, it, it was basically giving you a bit of a glass ceiling without you necessarily realising it? Yeah, I think... Or you were holding yourself back from stuff that you'd like to reach to anyway because you were respecting the, the, the relationship and what it was to be a family unit? Yeah, I, I, yeah. I think I went into that relationship. I wanted to, um, you know, so I fell in love with my wife. And, That's a good start. And, and again, in hindsight... After you were married? <laughs> no, last week. Um, <laughs> and I... Looking back again, I I very much, I'd hit that, I was probably 32, I'd hit that phase of life, you know, my biological clock was ticking, I I, I wanted to be a father and a husband. And so, so one way of looking at this is I wasn't being too particular about the prospective partners, but I don't think it's as, as 
blunt as that. I think that we are we have become different people. I think that kids changed us. I think marriage changed us. We moved from Sydney up the central coast here. I think that that changed us in all sorts of different ways. I think that life will just continue to throw those challenges at you and then it's how you deal with it individually and in that partnership. And I guess what I'm really saying is that I don't think our partnership was sufficient to navigate the sorts of challenges that were coming up. Which sounds funny because when you look at it, we had nothing but first world problems, you know, like we had white collar problems. Um, but yeah, it didn't survive it. Yeah. So, so looking back then, if you were to sort of assess or evaluate the things that you could have done to possibly mitigate that being the finality of the, of the marriage... Would you have actively engaged on those things, knowing what you do now and seeing the life that you've got in front of you? And, and of course, you've been fucking heartbroken and, you know, it's, it's tragic. And like you advised me recently as I've been going through the same thing is you do have to mourn it. Like there yeah. is that, that period of mourning and you, and you do have to... For me, it was really difficult because I didn't accept that this was my life now. Yeah. Like I just couldn't accept that. That seemed like a, a completely unreal reality that I couldn't possibly wrap my my head around uh so would you so back to the original question would you actually make an attempt to mitigate that being the outcome yeah and this is what I mean about when I say that <clears throat> I think we're very different people to who we were one of the huge things that I've come to understand because the fights that we were having were pretty horrific one thing I've come to understand is that so much of the interactions and you could argue all of the interactions that we humans have are just stories and so I probably wouldn't be buying into the narrative of all of that argument and fighting I'd probably be able to put that down I had a particularly quirky circumstance where a quirkumstance a quirkumstance yeah Yeah. (laughs) I think that's the technical term Um, where that isolation where I didn't catch up with you that was broad brush I I, under duress I wasn't able to um, get away I wasn't able to do anything but go to the office and come home Um, you know and there were extenuating circumstances that we don't need to get into but looking back I can see that all of the threats around that were just narrative that there was there was not going to be any follow-through on any of that um but I didn't know that then and I didn't see that then and I was too close to it and I was struggling to I was struggling to access those things that allowed me to regulate such that I would have had a much more even keel to deal with the things that were coming up. Right. Yeah. But it wouldn't be a case of you'd, you'd, you'd like to put yourself in a position to save the marriage because you'd already headed down that path of being so different or... No, I, I, I think that knowing that everything's narrative... It's all about intention and um, and how how much each of us. Um, <laughs> <shit>. <laughs> Polly is uh, trying to give me. I um, think she's consoling love. you. Yeah, you're yeah. very sweet. Polly, man. get down. Down, Polly, down. Down. Thanks for the biscuit on the shoulder, Polly. You're welcome. <laughs> uh, what were we saying? Yeah. Um, so, w- would I save it? Yeah. yeah, so um, I think that I said this to you when you were in that denial phase and you were like, 
I'll compromise, I'll do whatever I need to do. And I said, um, yeah, but um, you're not the only one in the relationship, right? Mm. And so it, it kind of comes to both of your intentions. And I think that, I think that there may be some broad arc that I, I didn't understand of what was going on. Um, but I had, I had the feeling from time to time that she just wanted out. Yeah. And that, you know, that that her behaviour was just a way to sort of drive me away. Mm-hmm. I've also thought so that... So it's, it's, it's that thing of like, I want to break up with them <laughs> as a teenager, but you just start treating them like shit so they break up with you. Yeah, I never did that because, you know, I didn't lose my virginity until I was 30, so... Um, which, is in, which is in two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't wait until that hooker you organise for me comes along. Um, that reminds me I do have to organise you a hooker. <laughs> Siri, remind me to... <laughs> um, yeah, so... But I've also felt that that behaviour maybe was her way of showing affection. Like, it's also confusing. Um, something one of my um, panel of therapists said was, well, yeah, I mean, it wasn't going to work out because, look, it didn't. So, <laughs> it's very fatalistic, but there's sort of an yeah. argument for that, you know what I mean? And like, yeah. and the rest of it is just constructing meaning, which we humans are addicted to. Like, it's yes, it's part of what keeps us alive too. They've they've done experiments, not not on purpose, but the babies in orphanages back in the stage of um, you know germs. We know about germs. Don't touch any babies because then you'll give them germs and you could make them sick. Mm-hmm. When the babies aren't touched, when the babies aren't engaged with, they die. Right, like, just from lack of interaction with other humans. Yeah, and like the argument, there's not a from num- germs though. Not from germs. <laughs> they were germ-free. Germ-free carcasses. Oh, poor little buggers, My right? Favorite kind. Yeah. But, but the the what they one of the ways that they spun that was um, they came to understand that it's that our realities are constructed socially, and so babies without that social construction, without that engagement, they can't exist. They can't live. Right. It's okay. That's, so, a, that's an interesting thing. Okay. Was it just that they weren't being fed? <laughs> no, they were being fed by an eyedropper from a distance. Right, okay. Um, no, it was, yeah, it was that they wouldn't be engaged with, they wouldn't be picked up and held. Okay. Because, you know, they, and they were trying to do the right thing. It wasn't, this wasn't an experiment in, you know. How like to kill babies, 101. Cold War Russia. Right. <laughs> How can we fuck with people? Um, yeah, it was just that they found that babies that weren't um, socially engaged with, touched, held. Because, of course, that's social construction for babies that's how they socially engage yes. they don't have the cognitive development so they do it through touch and sight and all that's that. an interesting one. i'm going to do some uh, brief reading on that <laughs> I've, I've, I've got about half a dozen other books that you've recommended that i still have to um continue yeah. delving into like i've still got 20 or 30 on the backlog as well so then your uh, so your trajectory was obviously that you're on your way out of your marriage that's 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 a finality yeah, so you're um, your, not so much your coping mechanism, but it, well, I guess it sort of was a coping mechanism right at the outset, but what sort of became a transformative thing for you? Yeah, so, um, so 32, what was I when I, so I'm 40 now, we split three years. So I'd done about nine years of therapy and introspective work and the therapy wasn't consistent. That was probably a few years of all of that. Um, and so when I split, I was riding the emotional roller coaster, but I also, I funneled all of that into 
growth, I suppose you would say. It was like, okay, well, there's all this fucking pain. I know I can go and get pissed. I know I can go and fuck randoms. Um, I, I inst- That's the name of the hooker. Yeah, randoms. <laughs> I'm looking yeah. forward to this. Um, I, you know, I could overindulge in all of these ways, but I'd done enough introspective work to realize that they were all empty pursuits. And so I went, okay, well, we have fucked up, my ex and I. I have many rather vehement opinions about what she did. This was back in the day. Nowadays, I'm a bit more blasé about it. But, um, I'm very interested in what my part in this was because it's. I, I also had that belief that it's a 50-50 thing. Like any relationship, even if it's fucking up, even if it's completely imploding, you're there. You're yep. engaging with it in some way, right? Yep. It's something to do with your particular dynamic. And so... Um, yeah, so I funneled everything into that. Um, I focused really heavily on stabilizing our son because uh, my ex was sort of struggling and um, that seemed to be part of the struggle. So I focused really heavily on him, which also gave me something outside myself to focus on rather than just you know losing yourself in the depths of despair and things like that. Mm. Or as some tend to um, find themselves there, which is kind of the the more dangerous aspect of it, which is, well, this is me now. This is my comfort zone. This darkness is a warm blanket. Yeah. I can uh, I can point at everybody else and say, everybody else has fucked me and, and he... Yeah, and there's a lot of that. Yeah. Man, for a while there, I was like fucking raging anti-feminist. I was like, this is unfair. You know, there's a complete imbalance in, in the way that men and women are treated and blah, blah, blah. But mostly that was just personal wounding. I mean, we have cultural artifacts that all of this. The, pendu- the pendulum with feminism is swinging back the other way. And you see Dave Chappelle on Netflix talking about the Me Too movement. I think he's got a really fucking good perspective on it all, right? Yeah, and he sure. talks about you're going to have uncomfortable allies. Yes. You know, um, he makes the point that Ben Affleck was like trying to help out and then someone goes, oh, you know, you grabbed a titty back in 95 and he goes, I'm out. You know, like, <laughs> so <laughs> you got to have, you got to have uncomfortable. So there's, there's the pendulum swing back the other way and understandable, like nobody was winning from the patriarchy, like, but you know, there's going to be backlash. Fine. So there's cultural elements to this, but I personally wasn't really prejudiced against. Um, so, what the fuck was the question? <laughs> You'll have to just guess. <laughs> um, depths of despair. Yeah. So. So your this is your your way out. So you, your growth, your personal development, um, reaching for something positive in front of you instead of concentrating on something negative behind you. Yeah. So the depths of despair thing is the the loss of self definition, and that's painful. Um, and so the way out is to. For me, the way out was to look at what I am because I couldn't possibly have been that thing that just died because I'm still alive and it's dead. So what am I? And so my way out was, okay, so who am I as a father? What does it mean to be a father? Who am I as as a husband? What does that mean? Who am I as a lover? Who am I as a citizen? Who am I as a brother? Who am I as a friend, right? And ultimately, these are all just signposts that point back to who I am I for me? Yeah. 
And that's where I took it. I funneled everything, every externally oriented pain, you know, she's done this or, or whatever, was like, well, what if it wasn't her doing this? What if that was something in me that was coming up with that narrative? Which led me to like shadow psychology and, and an understanding of that and the way that we project, um, we project our pain onto others and then we, you know, try to uh, take them down for it. Right. Okay. So the that that internal journey then that took you through um, what sort of I guess was it a transformation or did it throw back to sort of a, a younger time in your life? Your part of your upbringing? Did you? concentrate on that some of that stuff or yeah all um, of the above funnily enough my mum um sided with my ex that's which, brutal which well it's, she's done it before um and it was only i think i might have mentioned this to you the other night it was only this week that i came to understand that that was actually a blessing in disguise because uh as i'm sure you can attest when you're going through this sort of shit <laughs> you actually want like your mum Yes. You know, you actually want... Uh, my dad died when I was 10, so he wasn't an option, but you want that comforting. You want that that enmeshment almost, like fucking hell. If I could try and dumb it down to the words that um, provide the most comfort, yet on the surface they seem to be um, the most... Um, what's the word I'm after? shallow um but is somebody that literally put their arm around you and to say everything's going to be all right and that, even though they don't know that like yeah i've got terminal brain cancer everything's going to be all right well it for will us <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're <And> for, fucked <laughs> for them they're not going to care yeah. eventually you're brown bread motherfucker uh but Did that that's something that um i've sort of looked to my parents for is that like uh, you know a massive fucking arrogant piece of shit and whatever but I still want that ability want that somebody to just go everything's going to be alright and then maybe I cry for a bit maybe I steal their car I don't know I don't know what <laughs> happens after somebody does something nice not familiar with it but that for me was that when you're like fucking everything is just and, and completely stripped of my identity which was 100% wrapped up in my family uh, you know, my, my wife and my kids, that was pretty much the only thing that would have made me feel better. Anything else that people are giving you tips and advice, or oh, you can do this and you can do this. Yeah. you got to be careful about who you associate with. I found that out really quick. I also stopped drinking completely because I found that it sent me really dark. But there are a lot of guys who come out bitter yeah. um, and I avoided them like the plague. <clears throat> um and the platitudes, the empty platitudes. Yeah, like that. Just One of my favorite ones is, if there's anything I can do, please let me know. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> is there? Yeah. I can't quite reach the bottom of my left testicle and it appears to have become gangrenous. Would you mind rubbing this cream on it for me? Fuck, Josh, you asked me that <laughs> for the third time. I gave you gloves. <laughs> Yeah, but they had holes in them. <laughs> yes, just um, in the fingertips. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, that. But but you know, I mean, people are well-meaning, but people are fucking terrified of their own shadow, literally and figuratively, like in you know the psychological sense. 
And so people will offer those sorts of things, but they and they do mean well, but they sincerely have nothing because they haven't faced their own That's right. pain. They right? have no capacity to actually do anything. Yeah, yeah, I was talking to a mate about this the other day, and he he's pretty senior in a in a uh, well, let's call it a finance institution, and um, he's got a big team and he was talking about, you know, they seem to really trust him and he was a bit surprised by that. But this dude... his team trusts him. Yeah, well, right. because nobody trusts anybody in his organisation and, and he didn't feel that he was necessarily deserving of their trust. And I was saying, but, you know, you've done so much self-reflection and so much self... He's your friend Christopher Scase. <laughs> and so much self-work that he can hold great depth and I think that that allows people to relax, you know, so... People who have faced a lot of their own demons, they they can hold that space. So somebody who was going through, like what you were going through, I, yeah. I don't know if I told you it would be okay, but that yeah. I didn't. Well, yeah. maybe. Yeah, I'd be- I think you, I think you were more like, look, dude, th- the next bit it's gonna suck a massive bag of dicks, but <laughs> it will get better. Don't do anything too sort of uh, knee jerky, you know, too too irrational. Um, and just try and kind of stay the course. That sounds like something I'd say. Yeah. And that's the like actual detailed equivalent of it's going to be okay. Yes, absolutely it is, for yeah. sure. Thanks yeah. very much. Can we turn this heater on? Yeah, of course. Thanks. Um, yeah, um, and the reason that I said that is because even while I was in it, um, it was it was becoming apparent to me that it would be okay. I uh, just had to run up the other end of my 18-metre shed to turn off the other bar heater, mainly just so the electrical circuit doesn't actually... <laughs> I like how you threw True. in the 18-metre shed, like, yes. and it wasn't actually a plug for the distance that you ran. It was more like, ladies, guess who's got an 18-metre shed? And, and this is the little shed. This is the little shed. <laughs> I had somebody drop past yesterday, and he said, oh, can I ask you who built your shed and I'm like the guy was a fuckwit actually I wouldn't recommend him <laughs> but he got the job done wait are we live <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he said uh, he said well okay it's, it's pretty impressive side and I said yeah this is the little shed <laughs> come around the back buddy he goes fuck <laughs> he knows judo this guy he has the academy up the top of the hill nice right so yes you did yeah you know definitely you well for, look for sure I can say out of everyone that I had any sort of conversation with all all of the stuff that we talked about was we've got the ability to go all the way from talking about pissing in front of another person as we were doing earlier to fart jokes to you know spiritual level stuff and all the mess in between um so you know I've been very fortunate to actually have you as a friend through through this I'm thankful for that goes both (laughs) ways man nice nice time to put in that cough to let me come back at I you but it goes cough, both ways yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now he's just putting it on everybody ah um yes oh awesome good one thing i did uh when i went to uh, my mate ian's bucks the other night so saturday just gone and there were a few people there that i've known for a few years and who had no awareness that you know my marriage had broken down and we'd gone our separate ways and, and nor should they I hadn't really made it sort of public knowledge but didn't you advertise it on Facebook? Just recently, yeah. And then After the, the last bugs? few weeks. <laughs> just before. Yeah, right. Those motherfuckers should have known. And with that, all I was trying to do was just kind of force a, a split between family groups. I really don't want to stay in contact with a family. I don't fucking like them. Let's not take this, uh, this chat that direction because you know that 
I have an opinion on why you advertise it on Facebook. Yeah, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I mean, there were some facts that <laughs> supported hmm. evidence what would your suggest otherwise. Was. Yeah, but uh, that was very much it, um, at least as far as I was concerned at the time. And so I had a couple of guys come up to me who had one had been through a divorce himself um, a few years ago. Again, one of those marriages where you're just like, "Fuck, I did not expect that." Yeah. Um, but they did come up to me and said, we're really, really sorry to hear sort of what has happened, shook my hand. I mean, they did that anyway. That wasn't, this isn't like a standout thing that they did. Well, they did shake my hand. Yeah, that but, is pretty rare for you. <laughs> Ian did later spit on my hand. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's another story. Oh, wait, no, that doesn't sound fantastic when I say it that way. No, it was for masturbating. <laughs> Fuck, moving on. Man, how do we edit this? <laughs> no, we don't. All this shit gets thrown in. <laughs> Good. I'll be careful. Um, where they said, look, we either we did hear about it a few weeks ago and we just legitimately did know what the, didn't know what the fuck to say. Yeah. I think I probably was, when I've heard people get divorced in the past, I wouldn't have known what to, what to say. Mates of mine who've been divorced in the past, I didn't know what to say. I probably thought I knew what to say and I probably came across like a naive fuckwit. Not to say that people who try to help are naive fuckwits, but I think that's particular to me. <laughs> I am kind of a naive fuckwit. <laughs> um, yeah, because I don't... I mean, people do... Like we said, people do, I think, genuinely want to help, support, nurture, whatever. And I don't know. F- how many of us are going through this? Like well, what, what would you do then? So, time again... Well, I mean, again, we've had this sort of ongoing... Um, conversation about this and we live just around the corner from each other on rural properties but <laughs> check <laughs> with, our acres with, ladies. The, with the large sheds um, <laughs> mine's not as big as Josh's <laughs> mine's also black <laughs> I think it's dark grey depends how long you hold it yeah. <laughs> so the uh, what would I guess what, what would I do differently no what would you, so you say you have another mate or say you know a guy who knows a guy who's going right. through a divorce what would you advise them to do in that particular situation what would you it's would good. you say look just fucking avoid him because anything you say is going to be wrong or? I'm going to go that dude's done fucking just write him <laughs> off now get what you can from his house if you if he has any of your shit, get it back. Take take whatever you can because his wife's about to take 70% of what's left. <laughs> Only 70? She must be generous. Um, what, it depends on the circumstances. As a general rule, these days, I see these sorts of things as opportunities for really positive transition. You know, again, they did studies with people who... Um, I remember one study that someone did fucking uh, no don't quote me on this because lord knows I've just got the anecdotes and not the, I'm not recording not the then. research <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, they were saying that even people who'd lost a limb resume equilibrium pretty soon and things like that and and people who go through horrific things often come back to know it was a, a really positive experience in the end and like I was I started saying before about um, my mum siding with my ex for the first year in hindsight I needed that space from her because I just spent some time um, with my family and realized how easily triggered I am by my family of origin. And while I was so incredibly susceptible to influence the first year or two, um, it was really good to not have that family of origin influence and trigger on top of all the other shit that I was trying to process and work through. 
you know, there's the legal aspect, the emotional aspect, the parental aspect, the social aspect, the redefinition. Yeah, there's so many moving parts. You also, you don't also need on top of that. You, like you said, you want maybe your mum, you want somebody to put their arm around you and say it's going to be okay. You don't also want, huh, yeah, okay. So while we're doing that, can you also mow the lawns and maybe like <laughs> flow me an extra couple of grand and, you know. Okay, so the distance ended up, the distance from them kind of gave you a little bit of breathe, you know, breathing space, I guess. Is, For me, yeah. But, but it also kind of forced you to stand on your own two feet. Yeah. Because there is that ability to regress as a human being. We talk about people that, well, definitely I know, is that, that you know, moving back in with your parents you fall back into the ways of old. You know, you, you become the child again in the household, those kinds of things. Yeah, it's a regressive move, right? Yeah. Um, I've heard, yeah, the, the regression often happens when um, evolutional growth fails. It regresses back to a stable point and then tries a new trajectory. Um, this could be said of, uh, actually, uh, Ken Wilber, an integral philosopher who I love, um, the father of Integral, he says that Trump is effectively the leading edge of evolution has failed us. And this is a regressive move back to warlord times yep. uh, where it can start heading in a new direction because we got into the you know postmodern mess of everybody's valued the same. Hitler is worth Gandhi. And it's like, well, yeah, they're both humans, but you know, Gandhi's philosophy was a lot better than Hitler's. There, I said it. I brought in <laughs> I brought in a hierarchy. How dare you? you know, postmodernism. Postmodernists <laughs> fucking hate hierarchies, man. They can't differentiate between dominator hierarchies and growth hierarchies. Um, so yeah, there was that with mum. But I mean, your, your question was sort of what to say to people who are going through this. And it depends. I mean, you know, I've, I, I've got mates who have had to move back home and there's no right or wrong way to go about this. I think that at the end of the day, it's it's good to normalize it. It's good to know that it fucking sucks for all of us. I mean, I know you had your really low points. I had a couple of seriously fucking close checkout points. Really? Yeah, I, I mean, I had one. That one night, I remember just I, crying and I ended up falling, falling asleep. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, 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 I don't know. I think that the narrative in my head at the time was like, the darkness is one, you know, like fucking yeah. I'm, I am right there. I'm ready to check out. And, you know, people say, oh, you know, but I'm pretty sure that they're going to be okay because they've got kids. I'm like, by that stage, I'm like, I will be doing him a favor by checking out. Yeah, exactly. You That's know? been my rationale too when people are like, oh, but you've got kids. And I'm like, yes. And I'm nothing but a fucking pain in the ass for everybody who exists and everyone will be much better off without me. Yeah. Um, well, we did all sign that petition. There um, was that. <laughs> and, but that that's I don't know why I set the website up for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it was very anti-Josh. <laughs> you were going through a self-hate And you phase. also never paid me for that. <laughs> yeah. You you've figured got, you wouldn't have to? You've got equity. <laughs> did, did, didn't we give you 20%? Sweat equity in your suicide petition. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh okay that's what you meant when you said you give me 20 <laughs> percent. yeah it wasn't it wasn't just the tip <laughs> um so what to say um it's nice to normalize it no it sucks my checkout point yeah so and then the next morning when i woke up man i actually felt like 
serious part of me had died. I mean, it's like we were saying about the, you know, the loss of definition. Yeah. When that dies, it is like, I don't know, a pet, a human, a loved one. It's a, it's a very fucking close part of us that does die, does need to be mourned, does need to be grieved. And it does feel like that part of you dies. So to people who are going through this, I think if they're lucky, they're going to be listening to things like this that can help sort of normalize it. Um, If they're unlucky, uh, they're going to be going through it alone. And unfortunately with this, um, with the zeitgeist at the moment, men are still pretty isolated a lot of the time emotionally and, you know, won't talk to their mates and won't talk to a therapist. Now, my my perception on that is that, of course, we've always, you know, I say we always, but whatever it, read into what you will, but men have always been told, you know, don't cry, yeah. you know, grow a set of balls, you know, all that kind of stuff. And and that's fine. That there are there are definitely it's not times. Fine, but yeah. <laughs> no, but there are times when that does fucking need to happen. Like, there's no point completely crumbling and giving into all of your emotions and becoming an incapacitated fucking fool, right? Maybe we'll come back to that. Yeah, but we can circle back. Or we can forget about it. Doesn't really matter. <laughs> yeah, what I said is true. Let's just forget that I said it. Well, maybe let's just knock it on the head. What I was going to okay. say was, I feel that all emotions need to be expressed sooner or later. We can defer them. We humans are incredible at fucking deferring feeling our emotions, which is you can't just stop and cry when you're in the middle of a fucking war zone because it's sad. That's the only time I would be crying every fucking day. <laughs> Why am I here? <laughs> you know, you're in the we mid- don't even have conscription. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't even give me a gun. They gave me a computer. The fuck am I supposed to do with this? I got on the wrong boat. <laughs> Fuck it, I'm playing World of Warcraft. Um, yeah, we humans are amazing at deferring, but the problem is that sometimes we will defer our emotions for decades, and mm. so we will have that suppressed shit, right? And then, so it, it's important to feel those emotions, but yeah, there's a time and a place. We can defer it. The longer we defer it, the more it it will cause an issue. I, th- I believe. And so it's, it's like a, you know, it's like a cancer almost. So it's like the longer you sort of push it away, the, the more it's going to fester. And cancer doesn't really fester, does it? A pimple. It, it metastasizes. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, arguably. It, de- it depends on your perspective. Um, another, another teacher that I really liked, he died 2012, 2014, David R. Hawkins. He talks about the importance of feeling your emotions so that you can let it run through you, let it run its course, and then it's gone. And you would have seen it yourself. when Those moments when you do cry, you get huge relief and release. And I'm, I don't know if you have noticed this, but you actually forget a bunch of shit. Yes. Like a bunch, you don't, it doesn't even occur to you. Like the stuff that was really playing on your mind, the emotion goes through you and you truly let it go. And then you don't even hold it in memory anymore. Yeah. That's the healthy thing. So, yeah, there's times to defer feeling those emotions, but I think ultimately it's it's always got to be expressed. Right, yeah. So to the the point then, before you decided to fuck with my logic, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, is the... Um, you're right in that yeah, there is this thing where, you know, men need to man up, right? Yeah, there's, don't, don't there's agree that with cultural that. artifact of... Yeah, yeah. But, yeah. Then, but then beyond that, 
I feel like the, the, the men being isolated today, there is, at least from my side of it, on the back end of the Me Too movement and these kinds of things, whereby people are quite happy to put up things saying all men are rapists and, yeah. you know, you all need to fucking die, you know, once... Yeah, the misandrous to- sentiment. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I heard the other day that misandry isn't real, though. Yeah, yeah. Just the same way that misogyny is not real, I suppose. Yeah. Oh, no, that's real, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but this... And so even that tone, yeah. right? Like, we, it's very easy for us to get caught in the backlash because there is this argument that all men are proto-rapists and all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, sure, in the same way that all women are proto-gold diggers. I mean, it's, it's nonsense, Ooh. right? Like... Uh, I get it. No, it's absolutely. A, it's an evolutionary thing yeah. rather than anything else because I, I don't think that there is such a thing as a female who's a gold digger. I think that there is a human being who is trying to secure herself in such a way that she can avoid the fucking abject terror of existentialism. Like, yes, you know, so, and then, you know, Kanye West sings about her. Oh no, actually, I think it was Jamie Foxx doing that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Do we have a soundbite for that? Actually, you're the one who's been doing singing lessons. I'm sure that's public knowledge now. Why would it be public knowledge? Well, now yeah. it's public knowledge. <laughs> when I finish this I, sentence. As I said the words. I have no problem advertising that I'm doing singing lessons, but I ain't going to sing yet. I'm still shit. Not yet. Um, so, the, with your, so the singing there, well, let's explore that. Not so much actually doing it. Um, I don't want to show you up. No lessons. Au natural. That means I don't shave my pubes. I've seen it. <laughs> it's horrible. The... Uh, are you now kind of stretching your legs in that creative realm? Like this is a creative outlet for you? Is it something that you've aspired to for a long period of time? You do have a silky smooth voice. Ha! Thank you. Ah. Um. <laughs> oh, that's the wrong one. There we go. <laughs> um, about 10 years ago. So 12 years ago, I had my first in life I want to check out moment, which was effectively just a... I'd gotten to the point where I had paper nirvana, as I call it, the check, the checklist of everything that should make us happy and fulfilled. I'd done it at so twenty-eight. You, you'd to, you'd to done it. Right? Yeah, I'd to done it. To I got around it. to it. Around to it. Um, yeah, and so I had paper nirvana, and I went, well, if this is it, then fuck it this ain't worth it like because yeah. i got i got all this stuff and i'm miserable i had money i had a nice apartment on the water in mossman in sydney and had a job i was getting paid like know, a couple hundred grand a year i had like 20 staff working with me and etc 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 i had a um gorgeous partner we weren't going very well but what the fuck did i know about what was going well and what was not i had apparently an ostensibly you know supportive and loving family of origin um, yeah, and I was just like, fuck, so if this is it, I'm checking out. Which is when I went, mm, well, that's a pretty well-known place, as in, if I go there, that's it. Yeah. Um, so I got permissive instead. I was like, well, maybe I'll try not living got permissive with yourself. With myself, yeah. yeah. And so the singing is an extension of that, really, that since then I... <clears throat> like I, I don't know fuck what have I done yeah I I did more creative stuff I got guitar lessons I started making music on my computer I um, started interacting with people differently I um, 
read more widely. I challenged my views. I invited others to challenge my views. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? Well, where do you see... What, what's your next... Uh, Carter's not long from school now. Yeah, next year. Next year. So, um, obviously, being a father, that, that's hugely important to you. Sure. How... You're in a reasonably fortunate position, you know, based on all of your hard work and dedication that you've done over the years, that you don't have to toil necessarily 70 or 80 hours a week. That's um, true. Although I am standing on the shoulders of giants for that, it's important to note. I'm, I'm a white male in Australia, like, you know. Yeah, but there are plenty of white males who are, are struggling, plenty of black females who are struggling. But sure. your particular position where you are right now is you are reasonably fortunate in that regard. Again, you, you've, you could have made a shitload of worse decisions over the years to put sure. yourself in a, in a far worse um, outcome now. The, what, are your, what, are your, what are you, I guess, aiming to achieve, aiming to do regarding being a good father to, to Carter then over the next 5, 10, 15 years? And I assume you just have to stop after that, don't you? Just and then just give up. Oh, I stopped years ago. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just saving for his therapy now, dude. I did my job. I didn't pull out. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> High five. <laughs> now get me a beer. <laughs> yeah, I can see why you were thinking that your kids would be better off. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> to quote you from the other night, you so get me. Um, to be a better father. Yeah, it's a good question. I, I, somewhere in there... What, what, to be a good father? Let's start with that then. Yeah. To be a good father. Um, all the developmental literature clearly states these days. <laughs> you know, it, but it's right. The, the, what, I've been, what I've been focusing on, um, on... Everything is a fucking mastercraft, uh, masterclass, right? So, because there's someone who has a specialization and they laser focus on that. Sure. And then that becomes this is what you must do. But what's important to us in our life, right? Like, being a parent is a fucking, fucking huge deal. And it's not everything. So, um, yeah, I've been doing some study on how to be a good father, be a better father. And, it all seems to point to dealing with your own shit. You know, the more you've worked, what, what was the way that they summarized it? Um, the more cohesive your own personal narrative, you know, the better a parent you will be, which, which yeah. just suggests that, that you've done a lot of psychotherapy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. Um, so to be a good father to Carter, but you can see it. It's, it's an, it's an immediate thing with our kids that, they are little reflections of us. They are just fucking so unfiltered. And so I have yet to see anything my son has done that I have disagreed with that was not either a training issue or my deal. Right. Like I haven't seen him ever do anything actually wrong. Right. I'm just thinking it through. Which I think I think that should be a fucking big call. Uh. Everyone likes belting their kids, don't they? <laughs> I really enjoy hitting other people's. 
Well, that way they're not going to put, you know, Docs isn't going to get involved, just the police. <laughs> yeah. And I can sweet talk those motherfuckers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're on the payroll. Yeah. So I, I don't know that that, I don't know that it's necessarily a big call. I think, do you, okay, so do you mean fundamentally, like you're talking about behavioral level stuff where it's something that you has gone unchecked and, and possibly become worse for a period of time? As in negative behavior or, you know, drawing on the walls or that sort of stuff. Like, that stuff is obviously forgivable and there's no... Right, but drawing on the walls, there's an educational aspect to that. Yes. And then if they keep doing it, you're teaching, your teaching's not working. Well, you're teaching them how to paint at that point. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I haven't seen it. Again, it's, it's so difficult to work in abstract. All I can really really talk about is my personal experience right because there are yeah. probably people of your millions of listeners there might be people out there my little son of a bitch is drawing on the walls fuck you it's him it's not me it's not training and I, I wouldn't know right i guess i can just talk about with carter but yeah so to be a good parent i think that there are a few really important things to focus on one is to give them their own agency and autonomy like to honor that like they are their own their own beings and they are becomings right we have the the beautiful stewardship you know yeah the beautiful stewardship of helping guide and mentor them only as to indoctrinate them in how to navigate this culture right um that's our jobs what did peterson jordan peterson talked about it he said that we're softer we're gentler proxies for the world you know, if we don't teach our kids the right thing, the world will teach them and it's a fucking much harsher teacher than we are. Oh, very much so, yeah. So what, do you, what do you see then as the challenges of being a father today? Now, maybe not necessarily directly from your point of view, but looking out into the world, seeing, seeing yeah. guys out there being dads. Well, I'm, or I assume women can also be dads. <laughs> These days, yeah. Um, I'm pretty blessed, as you sort of pointed out before in, in my circumstances, that I, I have considerable resources available to me which alleviates a lot of the stress that most i think parents and and families these days are uh, focusing on um by which i don't just mean sort of you know a few a few bucks in the bank but also time like i i make sure that i carve out lots and lots of time and i think that the biggest challenge facing people because when when anything goes wrong with your kid um the first thing you need to do is contain your own shit because yes. if you get triggered by your kid, oh yeah, um, you know it's very easy to lash so out you at get them. Stabby. Yeah, well, yeah. and this is why you've got to contain it, right? And and that's that same thing of deferring that emotion. Like you might feel rage in that moment, but can you know? Can your five-year-old by spilling something on the carpet actually incite that level of rage? Is that a, is that a rage-appropriate you know action? Yeah. And so that's why it's like, all right, let's contain this, work through this with an appropriate level of uh, reaction. Um, and then, okay, well, why the fuck did that rage come up? There's your opportunity to work on your narrative, work on your own shit. And then you work on that, you unravel it. Well, I'm angry because when I used to spill shit on the carpet when I was a kid, my parents beat the fuck out of me. Well, okay, then that rage that you were feeling, clearly it's not for the kid. Clearly that's your own stuff coming up. Deal with that. Now it won't be a problem with you and your own kid anymore. So I think part of it is the containing, but I think it's very, very difficult to contain these days because we've got 
everybody seems to be in a really heightened, like amygdala state, you know, like we've got all this fucking bad news coming at us from fucking everywhere. One of the best things I ever did was stop watching the news for the last 10 years. And it's hilarious because people are like, so anyway, how's that tsunami? And I'm like, the what now? <laughs> and I just use it as conversation openers yeah. where I'm like, cool, let's talk about that. You seem to know something about it. I'll hear the news from you and it'll be a conversation rather than me watching some shit about, I don't know, that either I can affect or I can't, but I'm not there. It's not relevant and it keeps you in a, in a susceptible state, in a stress state. So everybody's fucking working longer and... I don't know about harder, but they're working longer than they ever did. Oh, they're for definitely less. working. They're definitely working longer. But this is something I touched on recently as well. Is people are so we seem to have a society that is so um, caught up in trying to do things efficiently without stopping to do things effectively. We should leave that to the Germans. <laughs> Very efficient and effective race. Yeah, and it's because we're wanting to look busy. I think we've. Comp- completely spun out of fucking control in all of that like we're achieving less i mean so much working harder to achieve less and you know why because we're an information society now like we're an information culture now like we need to be a wisdom society though maybe but until we are you know like when it was just production well yeah that that seals that feels fucking planted man that's that you can't plan it again I'm a rest, you know, but yeah. but now it's like, well, there is no fucking end to the amount of paper that you can funnel through your desk. Yeah. So yeah, everybody's got, everybody's time, not everybody, but a lot of people seem to be time poor and money stretched and, and in these susceptible states where they're already off balance. And so then you try to stuff, you know, material things perhaps like into the mix. Well, how about you just try injecting a couple of children? That sounds like a fun game. Same but, sort of thing. Yeah, but you 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 take something that's already quite unstable and um, uh, emotionally driven, even though not on the surface. But you know the under undercurrent is highly volatile. Yeah, because there's not a lot of people who are overly stable, um, <laughs> or I think there are, but they're just quietly getting on with life, and the rest of us are doing fucking podcasts. Am I right? <laughs> You don't tell me about how I therapize my problem. <laughs> I wasn't pointing that finger just at you, man. I was talking about us, but all oh, right, yeah, yeah. I was yeah. throwing myself under that bus as well. Right. Yeah, it was like uh, how I, you were talking about the business that we should start on Monday, and you're like, yeah, yeah, we can totally market that. I'm like, but you're just going to make me do everything, <laughs> yeah. But just like with your suicide <laughs> petition side, <laughs> make your own goddamn suicide <laughs> petition. See, you're no good at anything. I did. I made a theme for WordPress. <laughs> it's a plugin. Uh, it's already outdated, though. <laughs> um, the uh, yeah, is this? You, you take people who are already um, call it tormented, maybe not so much, but. There's definitely a huge amount of anxiety, like the the, the reportings of anxiety are going through the roof. Um, sure. Well, this is neoliberal culture. Yes. Is one perspective on this, right? Right. Yeah. Self-enclosed individuals, where, right? So, this is where the free market. I think it was just before the Second World War. Now, don't quote me on this because I've only read like the first, the intro on the first chapter of this book. Because that's got, about how much I read of most books. Oh man, it just got too intense, and I had to put it down for a while. <laughs> But um, so neoliberal. You, you've read Mein Kampf cover to cover several times. <laughs> several times. Yeah, and the Communist Manifesto. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so what happened just before the Second World War, 
after the Great Depression, uh, you know, free market capitalism was considered, first of all, under threat because the left was swinging back after the Great Depression and all of that. And so um, quite strategically, surgically and very intelligently, it was consciously put into play in policies and government and, you know, economic doctrine and things like that. Um, what was it? Milton Friedman said that, uh, and I'll paraphrase here, but he was saying that uh, a crisis is one of those things that uh, forces change. And we need to just hold these policies in, uh, in mind in front of people until the suitable crises arise and what uh, seems impossible becomes the inevitable. And so free market capitalist thinking, because I, fuck, I, I've profited off this, right? This is, I, I've got my own concerns about this. The, the, I've got my own ethics and moral concerns around this, but um, it's made it into everything. So everybody is in competition with everybody. So we now get married and we compete with our spouse. We compete with our kids. Our kids are competing with us. Like everyone's in constant fucking competition with everyone over fucking everything. We're all trying to keep up with the Joneses. But I, I think the other side of that is that whilst there is this, whilst there is this um, level of competition that's out there, and whether it's rationally rational, whether we're cognizant of it or not, we also are in a society that we are constantly, well, we are more and more rewarding people for not performing. Mm, yeah, but those people aren't <clears throat> becoming productive. They're, no, they aren't. They're fucking miserable. Yes, because absolutely. We, but and this, but is, th this is our society. Is we care so much about the feelings of, well, you did try. Oh, you know, I don't know, man. Sometimes I think this is our way of sweeping it under the rug. This is our way of, well, everybody's profiting over here. Let's just keep the dirty little secret in the attic, you know? Like, let's keep... Um, you know, Jimmy locked in the attic or the basement because, you know, we can't bring him out for polite company. Like, it's like we're buying people off with, with our, you know, social services and things like that because they're fucking, they don't fucking work. Okay, so you're, you're talking at that sort of level in terms of um, adulthood and the way, that, well, the way that society is sort of in the grown-up world. But I'm, I'm talking more specifically like we, we are bringing kids up through the education system and then through into um, tertiary as well, uh, that it's, like, it, it, it takes something as simple as TAFE, right? So TAFE was a graded system previously, and now they're, you're right. competent or not yet competent. It like, yeah, gives yeah. you that glimmer of Well, this is, this is postmodernism, right? Yeah. Like, this is everybody's equal and, yeah, right. not yet competent. Yeah. yeah. And it's just softening everything. And, and the reason is because postmodernism... But so that, that's what I'm saying is you, I'm contrasting that directly with you saying that we've got this hard, like, everybody is competing with each other all the time, yet, d d like, we've also got this... Um, flavor or this theme that it's like it doesn't really matter how hard you try you're all going to end up in the same fucking place anyway but can you see that 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 not yet competent stuff is like a softly softly backlash to everybody's in competition it's trying to alleviate anxiety i don't know because that has been around for i'd say as far as as far as i can cast my mind back 10 to 15 years yeah postmodernism's been coming online for 50 I don't know. So, but the and these, you know, the neoliberal doctrine that was thirty eight. That they had their first meeting like, yeah. in nineteen thirty eight. So, um, 
that competitive stuff. I mean, you're talking about different layers of culture too. Yes, absolutely. And, and yeah. one of the things that I think is is fascinating about this is that it's like the Matrix. You can't see it while you're in it. You can't beat it while you're in it. And this is why I have ethical and moral concerns about this. Because it, on one hand, I'm a captain of industry. I've done really well out of this culture. And you know, oh, well, fucking I have to pay my taxes for all these people who don't fucking work. And on the other hand, I'm like, what if the culture is sick and I just happen to be one of those people who have a particular uh, inter interplay of, of variables within me who can navigate that in a more effective and efficient way. Like the deck is stacked and I just happen to, that, that the way that the deck is stacked happens to work for me and it doesn't necessarily work for, I'll be very broad brush, perhaps creative types who don't have a business head on them. You know what I mean? Creative creativity is inherently non-competitive so the, I struggle with that it's only occurred to me since I started reading that book and that was a couple the last couple of months I've sort of been sitting with it um, but yeah it does seem well that concerning. that that in and of itself is likely to give you a level of anxiety too right <laughs> yeah but for me that's that's that cognitive dissonance thing there where you're like yeah, I've fucking I've worked my guts out and I deserve all this and then at the same time you're like I deserve nothing of what I have. No, I it's funny, right? So this is part of the stuff of the last few years as well and why why I've funneled it into growth. It gives me distance from my own narratives. That oh, I deserve this. Now I'm looking at it as ultimately it doesn't matter whether I deserved it or not. I'm interested in how things have played out. Like I'm interested in the motivations. I'm not trying to convince myself. I have it. I don't need to justify it. Right, okay. Right? Like, now I'm like... Well, you have what's left. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that hurts. <laughs> I, <laughs> I have it. I'm not trying to justify it, but I am interested in how I got here and how we're all getting here. I mean, yeah. So where do you, where do you reckon, like, if, if you're going to, again, go back to... It's, it's, it, well, we say advice for blokes... No one should ever listen to anything that's said on here. <laughs> yeah, disclaimer: <laughs> nobody, blokes or otherwise. Um, what then would would you like to see? Uh, from me, I'd like to see more of a development of of compassion between individuals. Doesn't have we don't have to go full retard about it, but the the idea is that we can be more understanding of other people. And I've, I've tried and dumb this right down a few weeks ago too to make it ultra fucking simple for people to understand where I'm coming from with this. Are you saying that your listeners are dumb? No, no, not at all. <laughs> Edit that out. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. I am saying that. <laughs> the, um, is the, this idea of making a mistake and particularly on the back of the cancel culture and all that sort of shit, you saw with the, the Dave Chappelle comedy. That I'm sure you saw the reviews, right? The, yeah, on Rotten Tomatoes or whatever. I don't read any of them, but he was talking about them in one of his things. He gets smashed. Oh no! So, so the um, yeah, he, he on Rotten Tomatoes, um, he's got seven critic critical reviews, right? Um, they gave it 33 percent, right? Right, and then the pub, the general public voted. And they've given it ninety nine percent. That's sixteen thousand people. Right, right. So you've got this. You've got this 
culture where people are like, oh, cancel. So they've called it, you know, hashtag cancel culture. It's this bullshit of someone once made a mistake. Take Louis C.K., for example. Right. Whether he was a legit, like, fuck up or not, maybe not. I'm with Chappelle. She, she could have hung up. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. So I, I, I'm firmly of, of that side. Like, or, or leave the room. Like, you know, yeah. it, it was all, everything was spoken and put out in front of people. And he's had to turn around and say, I apologize. Obviously, I did the wrong thing by asking people because I wanted to jerk off in front of them. And I was abusing a position of power. I mean, there's going to be fucking famous people. There's going to be some weird shit going on at times. Totally okay with that. But, and, uh, oh, yes, is this, so like, someone can't make a mistake. Yeah. Right. And, and someone who made a mistake, someone who, who fucked up last week. So, the, to, it, right down at that simple level is you're at the pub with some mates and then a guy walks past you, accidentally bumps you and knocks your beer. You can fly off the handle and, and fucking lose your shit. Yeah, it's, it's an inconvenience to you. But if you turn around and you're like, hey, man, no dramas, like, you know, replace my beer or whatever, pretty please. Or if not, and he's a fucking asshole, yeah, whatever. You know, he's an asshole. He's, he's probably going to get cancer. Or, or maybe strike up a conversation and you've made a new mate. But Perhaps, yeah. yeah. I mean, that's how a lot of the stuff's happened with, with me in the past. I've accidentally knocked someone's beer, replaced it. You've accidentally walked into somebody's business. <laughs> Into the back of their business. Yeah, into your business. Into yeah. the front. No, I came in your front door. Yes, you did. I'm still trying to get it clean. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, there is the, the, the compassion for the fact that we all fuck up. Like, I'm, I'll, I'll make some mistakes tomorrow. Probably getting out of bed will be the first one. And then it'll just <laughs> be an onslaught of fuck-ups for the rest of the day. Um, yeah. So, what's your question? There was the the statement was more so the the need for compassion and understanding of other people. Yeah, the, I, I remember doing a job. Oh fuck, it was the biggest fuck up of my career. I did this job for this um, organization that shall remain nameless, and I completely fucked it. Right, I um, it was a, a data collection thing from like seventeen thousand people. And I don't know what the fuck I was thinking, but I just randomly overwrote everybody's data. Like person one would log in and put in their thing and person two would log in and put in their thing. If person two saved after person one, they would overwrite <laughs> person one's data. So but the then, last person to save but, but would be the one who trumps all. But, yeah, yeah. But, the, but, but it was like pretty random. There was no way to get the data back, right? It was just yeah. a complete fuck up. And, um, you know, they'd shortchanged the fuck out of me and I was like and, and then just kept increasing scope and I was fucking desperate for the cash at that stage I didn't know I was going to pay my rent so I took it and I you know took it up the ass repeatedly and I think that that's there was probably some like subtle sabotage in there like unconscious sabotage of this thing and I remember getting on the call with them and they're just like but this is just basic stuff and I'm like have you never made a mistake yeah. and it just fucking floored them I'm like, you had one guy working on this. Yeah. I suggested strongly that you test the fucking bejesus out of it because you had one guy who was overwrought and quite frankly, I'm pretty shit at what I do. I hope <laughs> none of my clients listen to this. And, and so, you know, I mean, it was, it was the one and only big fuck up of my, of my entire career. Yeah. And yeah, it just, they, they did not have 
any response to have you never made a mistake and clearly they didn't have a culture where you could make mistakes and i was i was just thinking afterwards i had compassion for them thinking what a fucking horrific place to work yeah well you can't make a mistake but this is postmodernism gone bad you know like everybody's right and but if you ever oppress anyone holy fuck and you know louis ck is oppressing that woman no she he wasn't fucking oppressive from what i know what the fuck do i know but hang the fucking phone up there was some truly horrible there's been some fucking horrific shit going on and me too is long overdue right but like Chappelle says like there are some women who suck the dick and got buyer's remorse like yeah, that's it. I know that that sounds fucking horrible but we've seen it yeah. I, I've jumped in on movements like, like that in the you're past not, you're not hearing about the chicks that suck the dick and got the job <laughs> Well, sometimes you are, but yeah, that's right. I mean, I don't know. And, you know, it's it's important, I think. Things like Me Too, like if they could give it up, it's not a fucking female movement. It is a human movement. Yeah. And men are seriously and genuinely trying to help and we have been excluded. Um, And so, you know, apparently men are the oppressors. Yeah. If men can't be part of the solution, we're just at fucking war. What yeah. good is that? I, heads completely. I mean, I understand. I think it's one of the things that gets lost. Like, women have been oppressed for centuries and all of that. You know, we've had patriarchy. And all culture is constructed. So, you know, everyone's complicit in that, unfortunately. And it's fucked and it's wrong. And we are reeling from shifts across the board that we have never before seen anything like in human history. Um, everybody needs to come with a bit more compassion, a bit more scope for mistakes, like you say. Like a bit more fucking generosity of spirit, I think. Because it's not a fucking easy time to be a man at the moment. Like every time we try to put our hand up and say, like, like Ben Affleck did, yep. can I help? Fucking <laughs> smack the hell down. No, you're a rapist too. Well, damn, you know, like, fuck. For sure. Do I, is there the possibility, I guess, that we're... Because we, we consider ourselves a, an intelligent species, whether that's true or not. Who's we? <laughs> you and I. <laughs> Whichever species we Speak are. Speak for yourself. <laughs> is it speaky? <laughs> speaky eye? The... Um, I get this constant feeling where we are always attempting to sort of outthink evolution. Right. Do you think that there's anything to that? Because we, we... Maybe say some more about what it means to outthink evolution. So, the... Um, Maybe I can give you an, exp- an example because I think I know what you mean. Yeah, okay. I was saying something about it earlier. Um, the advent of the... Um, of the pill liberated us in really deep cultural ways from the consequence of children. Wasn't this from wasn't, sex? Wasn't the pill a form of oppression? Well, and that's what they, <laughs> they they say that you know the the pill is a form of liberation, and it is. But it's also, I mean, thinking about it on the way here when I was I was listening to to some stuff on it, I was thinking about absolutely, it's a form of liberation. But it's very fucking new. And we have not... I don't think we have the cognitive structures and the social and cultural structures necessarily in place to relate to each other with a free sex mentality. Even though it's been decades since it came out, it's like, well, back in the day, you had to make shit work 
because evolutionarily, like, you know, you would bond and you would have kids and, and all of that. We don't do that now. And, you know, we seem, especially in, in the West, we, we have a very fucked cultural attitude towards sex and, you know, and we have all these fucking Me Too movements and all of that. So, like, we're clearly fucked up with the way that we, we relate to so, sex. So, taking that, then, where's that... Um, so, we talk, try and relate it to men navigating the world. We're still going to have a sex drive and, and traditionally we've been the ones, you know, all the way through the animal kingdom, we're the ones who are the ones, you know, we initiate the sex and admittedly, if you look at animals, 99% of that seems to be a bit rapey. <laughs> that, you would say that, but if you look at, if you watch the animal, uh, animal planet, the, the females of all the species are like, you know, presenting their hindquarters. For, oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. all of that. And, you and see then you it, look at, look at the fact that you've got things like peacocks, right? And they... They've got this whole thing where they're like, you know, I really need to impress this bitch. <laughs> but let's Oi, love, a- <laughs> over here, eh? But, yeah, and then they end up just jerking themselves off because <laughs> they look so much better than the females. Um, but bringing it back to humans, I mean, even yeah. even saying men initiate, I think that that disempowers the fact that we, we, women absolutely initiate. You- no, no, I'm, ju- I'm just saying that that's the, the thing that normally happens in the animal kingdom. I'm suggesting that's what happens... I don't know that it even happens there. I think it's what happens in your animal kingdom, <laughs> and I don't. And I don't even think it happens there, based on the stories that we <laughs> we share. You don't think though? You don't think that that men initiate? Mostly, it's the men who are the ones. So I think I watched a thing that per, per Don Burke made many years ago. Oh, fuck! <laughs> How long did it take us to get into Don Burke? <laughs> Only took me five minutes that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> Amazing what Rufus will do. Yeah. The um, it, it was wait, um, who was roofing you or him? <laughs> Wasn't he roofing chicks? We both were. I've got a story about Don Burke, but I don't know how far this podcast is going to go, so Let's I better not share that. it. <laughs> um, so the, you mean on a personal level, or is this just a? No, it's it's okay. a it's third a person. Okay, right. yeah. Yeah. Um, Don Burke, Animal Kingdom. Yeah, Don Burke, Animal Kingdom. Kind of sounds like a porno. But that's more or less, well, that's not what it was, but it was this discussion where um, there was uh, the need for one of the genders, sexes to have to, to have a drive to actually want to, to procreate. And that that was where, you know, testosterone plays a huge role in that throughout us and obviously, you know, a lot of animal species as well. Is there... St- and, and still, I mean, we... we Men are rapists, not women, right? Not all men are rapists, but rapists are men, generally. I think that the stats would suggest so, yeah. Yeah. So we've, we will still have the... We're still going... Males are still going to have that, that um, need to, you know, go after women, not obviously in a creepy way, but how, do, how then, given the it's current climate... It's not obvious climate, that it's not creepy. <laughs> Yes. Yeah, I, I guess. How I, then do we traverse it? Like what, some apps like Tinder, right? That, that that's a little bit creepy. So, everything that you've just said about men, I've seen women doing on Tinder, which is part of the you know yep. the way things are going these days. But uh, we're getting a bit out of my certainly my no, but how, how realm are we of experience. To, how are we supposed to traverse that? Then well, well but it, but this presupposes that you're right about men being rapey and testosterone being the, and and that men are the ones who initiate. I'm not sure that that's. I'm not sure that I agree that that's the case, and I certainly don't have the stats. What I do know is that there's an evolutionary advantage to men um, 
so men can uh, impregnate multiple women. Yeah. Women can only be pregnant once. So you can see that there's an evolutionary advantage to giving men that sort of drive. But that's not to suggest that women don't have the same drive. It just would clearly diminish when they're pregnant because there's no evolutionary benefit to that. Right. And when they have a kid or 10 kids, they're all, <laughs> there's no evolutionary advantage to getting pregnant again if they're already stressed the fuck out and trying to raise 10 kids. Yes. However, caveman times or even just not that long ago, many of those children would die. They would want to be pregnant all the time. So the evolutionary drive was there. Um, but it doesn't... I don't think there's any evidence to suggest that women evolutionarily don't have their own high sex drive, at least as high as men's. Oh, for sure. Um, the other thing that's interesting about this... That uh, tends this, to also... Um, tends to happen around the time when, obviously when they're, they're most likely to be able to reproduce based on the stuff that I'd read too. Sure, again, evolutionary advantage, right? Um, <clears throat> the other thing that's interesting though about this whole thing of, um, you know, uh, the way that men and women come to relationships and that men uh, apparently struggle with um, sexual infidelity and women struggle with emotional infidelity because, again, evolutionarily, love would keep a man around to protect, you know, and, and allow the kids to get to adulthood. Mm -hmm. um, and so, you know, women, again, the females, I suppose, would uh, struggle if a man f fell in love with someone else. That, yes. that was a big deal. But if uh, you fuck someone else? Less of a concern, yeah. right? So long as you're sticking around and you're in love with, with your partner. Um, men, of course, the deal is I will stick around, but you will bear my offspring. Again, we're talking pure animal sort of terms here. Absolutely. You will bear my offspring. So they struggle with sexual infidelity. And you see this play out these days too. So, um, yeah, so that's kind of interesting, I think. But <clears throat> how do you navigate all of this? I think that we're going to have a shakedown. It's like I was saying, I think there are so many huge tectonic plate shifts in our culture that we've never had to never had to deal with before then i think there's some really really positive stuff going on mostly because a lot of the shit that we're looking at now we're looking at consciously it's not just well holy shit we've got to get everything done or we're gonna die now everybody's so fat dumb and happy although stressed out and anxious <laughs> sorry um <laughs> that that you know the the we're consciously looking at this stuff. I mean, like I was saying about neoliberalism, like where people are consciously shifting culture. The culture of competitiveness that we're in now, that we have personally, that we've brought into our marriages, that was consciously brought about by a bunch of economists in the 30s. That is a fucking... That blows my fucking mind. That's why the Matrix is so powerful, because we can do this shit. So I think there's a shakedown. How do we navigate it? Very fucking carefully, we need to fucking listen to each other. Generosity of spirit, compassion, appreciation of fuck-ups. And I think, I think that there is a big call for doing the right thing for our kids, back to what we were saying before, you know. Do your best to raise your kids right. The less, the less pathologies we can instill in our children the healthier they will be as adults, the yeah, less we're, shit We're going the exact on. opposite way though, right? We're like you and me as fathers? Or? No, no, we're doing a great <laughs> job. 
right? You tell me that, I'll tell you that. It's sort of I was in our circle of trust. <laughs> I, was, <laughs> I was joking about this the other day. Are we doing a great job? There's a book, 100 Years of Psychotherapy in the World is Worse Than Ever, right? Yes. Fucking excellent title yeah. for a book. So there's that, but... So the patho- uh, to pathologize everything seems to be... Like we we've got a name for that behavior that you're doing, therefore we can point at it, we can encapsulate yeah. it, and there's a there's a set of medication that you can take it's that dangerous. we don't know very much about, but that we're not that's not the trend is for that to be becoming more and more. So yeah. so you're you've you know take schizophrenia as a as a sort of blanket diagnosis years ago is now, well, that's not the thing. It's broken down to multiple personality disorder and all these other disorders, which they're now unhappy about the fact that they're being called disorders. Yeah, and, and borderline personalities and new schizophrenia because they're like, we don't know what the fuck's going on. It looks like everything. Yeah, yeah. which, can you point to the list of the things that you have? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the, the that's not the way that we're going. So, and it is that the more, I see the more people are specialising in, things and and people we need to as people right specialization forms part of that sort of free market economy capitalistic kind of viewpoint okay milton friedman (laughs) but it actually does serve a purpose in terms of your ability to um to grow and develop an idea until sort of either to its completion or to till you just fucking don't care about it anymore sure yeah, I mean, I'm an I'm an altitudinist, right? Like, mm. I'm interested in the altitude You're that like people helicopters. are. <laughs> I'm interested in the altitude that people are operating at because I see this thing. One of the things with postmodernism is we look at everything as flatland, which is like everything's worth everything else. Yeah. yeah, all these definitions are true. The fact that we're defining everything is the right way to go. That we're labeling everything. I, I'm starting to see that now. Is you convince somebody of their of a narrative and they adopt it, they introject it, then they start fucking embodying and living out that narrative. Oh, very much so, yeah. You tell someone they're going to die of cancer in three months, what a fucking surprise, they die of cancer in three months. They were healthy yesterday. It's amazing how that shit works. So yeah, we may not be going that way. I don't know, we may be in the long arc though. What's the net effect? At the moment we've got a whole lot of first world problems. We've got things like fucking world hunger and, you know, environmental crises stacking up and shit like that. And then we've got, you know, you and me talking about our feelings on this thing. I kind of feel like it's heading in the right direction, though, because possibly if we get enough, like, first world citizens just to a state of at least satisfaction, they might have just enough space in aggregate to go... Oh, world hunger? Yeah, we had the fucking solution to that decades ago. We've got so much food we don't know what to do with in the West. We just keep eating that shit. Let's send it to the third world countries. You know, there's so many easy solutions, but we've kind of have to work through it. Like, you can't short circuit this. You Mm -hmm. have to come at it. And at the moment, those of us with plenty are stuck either trying to get more or talk about our dissatisfaction with the plenty that we have you know? yeah yeah and or, i'm hoping that the or, next step- or, or the the whole competition thing again which is that i've got plenty but then i look at my neighbor and he's got more plenty yeah let's burn the amazon and get more of that plenty yeah, yeah and so um it's a race against the practicalities of things i think like we we actually have a finite so we, we do need to for mine we still need to um 
we can't sustain uh, charity unless we have unless there is some sort of commercial side to it. There needs to be uh, environment. No, of course not. That, that that's fine. But we, like, don't we, look after the environment. <laughs> it was, I think it was. Um, I was watching. Um, uh, comedian Doug Stanhope the other day one of his old skits and he goes fuck it I don't care about the environment and people are like boo and he's like no fuck you <laughs> what's the difference it's going to make if I care about the environment I've realised years ago it doesn't fucking matter but whatever if I care don't care I just throw in fucking burger wrappers out the window of the car <laughs> Yeah, but <laughs> there's something in that though, then, right? Yeah, absolutely. But that's the problem: is that government doesn't, well, government society, nobody wants that to become the group think. <laughs> well, I don't know. Whereas that, secretly, I'm sure that there is quite a bit of group think in that same vein. I don't know that government gives a shit. I think that government is responsive to the culture of the day, right? Like, fucking Trump got voted in, man. I don't chicken or egg that shit. I don't know. I don't know whether he made... I'm, I'm really enjoying it, so I'm not going <laughs> to... Um, but uh, I, I don't know. So, we're, so, we're, so many get... of us still have our heads up our asses, right? Yeah. And they are up... We're navel-gazing. Like, yes. even the competition is navel-gazing. I need more, I need to such and such. If we can transcend that, then we might... Then it creates space. And this is what I was saying about my fortunate position, that I've consciously created space yeah. and realised... That you know, like I was saying to a mate the other day about the rat race, and uh, he'd done up a diagram for his wife about the rat race and his exit out of it. His exit out of it was just like a straight line out of the middle of a spiral. And I go, yeah, the funny thing about the rat race is, it's not about actually accumulating enough resources so that you win it. It's about realizing that the resources, the race, and everything associated with it is just a bunch of illusory nonsense. For sure. Like, yeah, we're still all living said, in our houses, mortgage yeah. paid or not. Yes, that's right. Yeah. yeah you're not going to hand everything back, though. Well, who needs to? I mean, there are people who lose their houses. I can't comment on that because I don't know the particulars. But, you know, like, this house, this is metal. This is, this this is, is shed. shed. This is shed, Tim. It's <laughs> you've got to make it a home, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> um, like, it... The money attached to this, the mortgage attached to this, is conceptual. Yeah. This is material. This is concrete. Right, and it's the same as farming. It's like we've constructed all of this noise and nonsense. I mean, none of us are actually doing anything worth a damn these days. You and I are in fucking IT, man. Can you imagine a less useful fucking profession when it comes down to the brass tacks of living? Oh, of actual living. Of no, actual of living. And no. we're, we're so far abstracted from the coalface now. And this is, uh, so anyway, I'm accidentally growing watermelons. I what? Accidentally, yeah, I know. It's a real thing. Yeah, I'm looking for the joke in that. But no, I think no, you're being I'm serious. accidentally growing watermelons. Did you just spit the seeds out and it just happened? Well, I don't know where they came from, but I took a whole bunch of um, soil and whatnot from over near the chook shed. All my chooks are gone now too. It's, I'm quite devastated. Did I they die or did I think you the eat neighbor's them? Dog has been pinching them. Oh. Um, but uh, I have no proof of that. <laughs> But, but if the neighbor's listening to this, <laughs> we're watching you. I'm just going to get a get a chicken and then feed it rat bait, rat, rat poison. I'm starting <laughs> to see where we're going wrong with society. <laughs> I think it's the watermelons. Yeah. <laughs> no, so I've, um, whether it's come in chook shit or whatever, but I, I just moved a whole pile of dirt over into the, the other paddock and then 
that's been sitting over there for eight, nine months. And I was standing outside having a cigarette the other day and I looked up and I was like, what the fuck is growing up there? I walked up and I'm like, ooh, I'm growing watermelons. <laughs> and something that's either a capsicum, chili or tomato plant. I'm not exactly sure. We're point. making salad, that's all. <laughs> Fruit salad, I assume. Whatever those things that are that are growing, we're washing them very, very well. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there actually is a chicken carcass buried under there too. Uh, yeah. Fucking great. From one that... It's going to be a chicken salad. When you were a kid, did you um, did you have this kind of fear that this would happen? Are people going <laughs> to be able to see this? Yeah, I'll put it up on Instagram. But this guy's come up the escalator and then hit, <laughs> he's leaned back. <laughs> so I, I've never had the fear that this would happen to me, but I absolutely have the fear that this is going to happen to my son. So let's just have a crack at that again. So up the escalators and then he's just like lifted his toes to get over the end. And, and it the, just fucking ate his shoes. His shoes has gotten caught in the... He's even lost a sock. The, and then and his face where he just stands up and looks around like, does anybody else see this? <laughs> and then waits. He waits. So For them to come back up on the next... What's he, what's he fucking waiting for? He's this look of confusion. He's waiting face. for them to come back up the escalator. Now that... that I always had a fear that as a child I would be sucked down under the, uh, under the escalator. Always a fear. So when I would get to the end, I would jump off. And still sometimes today... <laughs> <laughs> I've seen you jumping off the escalator. <laughs> um, and then... So you've got that escalator funny, but then you've got... Um, this, which I think is equally as hilarious, but it, this one comes from stupidity rather than bad luck. So there's a, esca- a set of escalators, one up, one down, and then a lady comes along in a scooter, in one of those mobility scooters because she's fat-sabled. Oh, man. And then decides this is a train she wants to speak to, to a manager downstairs. Oh, <laughs> oh that poor thing. You're a horrible man for laughing she at that. Oh, no, she fucking did it herself. She clearly lacks faculties, man. That's a, significantly less faculties now. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> this is a perfect example of my point earlier. Because that's fucking horrible. I was concerned that someone just coughed in the background here. It was on the video. I was like, who the Thank fuck else God. is in the shirt? <laughs> I thought I felt hot breath on my neck. Um, but this is what I mean about having, having compassion, to your yes. point, about the people who are not served by the zeitgeist. <laughs> Right, clearly she is not served There's by the zeitgeist. There's some natural selection that has to play a fucking role at some yeah. point. For a while there, I was a bit concerned about like Medicare and Centrelink arresting social Darwinism, right? Like arresting Darwinism. Yep. But, but now I kind of, yeah. Now I have this this other view of, uh, yeah, that the culture is maybe inherently not serving everyone. And now that I, I'm reading all this stuff that's telling me that like we fucking consciously did it. I worry that she is actually a victim of that 1938 meeting, man. They were fucking setting up neoliberalist ideology. She's had the ability to make choices her life. Plenty of other people have traversed this landscape and been successful. She drove a fucking mobility scooter down the escalator. That's that's a really good point because you've just said that she's had choices. Yeah, she may not see them, and those choices are limited by society. Her choice was to turn right and not drive down the fucking escalator. <laughs> and you've also said that other people have traversed this and been successful. 
But we see that the vast majority of the world's resources are controlled by a very small portion. That would suggest the opposite, that maybe... She's had plenty of choices. Even if you're given... Say say you are a prisoner in, in a Nazi war campy type deal that doesn't sound like it was much fun. Yeah. And you, you're held there against your will. Yeah. When they're serving dinner... Yeah. They say, would you like the green ghoul or the brown ghoul? That, there's still a choice to be had there, right? I don't think they offered them a choice. But let's pretend camps, that they did. Sure. <laughs> they would have had to feed them at some point. But even, even given a very constrained um, periphery or constrained landscape, people still have choices to participate or not participate. And I'm not suggesting that they can you know, break out of it completely or whatever. But she still made the choice to say, I'm going to drive my mobility scooter down the escalator. So she's not a victim. She's an idiot. (laughs) Well, this is where it, what if we're all in the concentration camp? We are. That's fine. Of course we are. Yeah. Right. Because we, we have constructed this society, this culture around us and we are, um, you know, the stewards of it at the moment based on successive generations of, you know, constructed, laid culture. Um, What if her particular... We can play the what if game. She drove a fucking mobility scooter down the escalators. But what if it's because her makeup does not I'd say it's a bit runny now. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Man, yeah. So her family had been swimming in the shallow end of the gene pool and there was a bit of chlorine in there. I mean, yes, granted, but these people do walk amongst us or mobility (laughs) scooter amongst us. Not everyone's a victim. Maybe, maybe. She should have probably got a lightweight scooter though. I reckon that would have made a bit of a difference. She's clearly overweight, you know. (laughs) She's... she's, um, (laughs) But she is under scooter for a bit there. (laughs) She's on a mobility scooter. Was. <laughs> All of these things are like, you know, a hundred years ago, people would be like, take a fucking walk. Yeah, exactly. Oh, you're fat? Take a walk. Eat less. Yeah. Oh, you can't afford to eat. Because- well, you can't eat less. <laughs> Just eat whatever you can at that point because there's not much to go around. Right. Yeah. And so, you know, this is like, well, no, it's okay to be fat. And I mean, it is like be fat, be yeah, whatever. Want, no. But but there's all of this support around, there's the support of the pathology. Oh, you're borderline person. Don't talk about X, Y, and Z because so-and-so is mm. borderline. Well, how the fuck are they ever going to get over it if you don't talk about X, exactly. Y, and Z and, and unravel this Face shit? So, yeah, my concern is more that we've enabled this sort of lunacy, like, that poor fucking thing. Maybe she is a victim, man. I, we don't know her circumstances. But that's still funny. <laughs> the shoe thing was especially funny. I don't I know how we lost. Thing. I don't know how he lost a fucking sock in it as well. That was gold. Uh, it's never gonna get old. It's too funny. It's just. I'm really pissed off that this video is a little bit jerky. Not like my normal jerky videos. I like that Russian on it. Is that Russian? Probably Cyrillic. Anyway. Was he? Do you think he was only wearing one sock? No, I'm sure he was wearing two. Just his look of complete and utter confusion. Yeah, because his worldview just fucking collapsed. <laughs> it's like, I have gotten on and off escalators my so entire life. Times. 
What the fuck just happened? Oh, fucking hell. He just got hit like we did when we got divorced. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that was what just happened. That's the look that was on each of our faces. When what happened, happened is one shoe got taken and then while he's looking around for help, the other shoe got taken. <laughs> <laughs> That's how divorce works. <laughs> no bitterness here, folks. None whatsoever. Um, okay, cool. We're like an hour, half hour, 40 odd in. Um, thank you for coming and sitting and, and talking. You're welcome. Thanks. It's been fun. Good. I'm glad you had a good time. Uh, are you on the socials at all? Do you do Instagram or Fagbook or? No, you know that I. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. <laughs> I don't even know. Was that a plug for the list? Just what I have to say because I'm about to say the socials that we do. Yeah. Maybe I'll get on them for this, but yeah. um, do go and check out Advice for Blokes on uh, on the gram, on the Faceballs, and on the Twitter. Um, at advice for blokes as I said uh, don't forget to reach out to lifeline.org.au on 13 11 14 if uh, you or someone you know is uh, suffering in misery and looks like they're on the uh, bottom end of a downslope don't forget also the podcast hotline is available on 0295418450 um, other than that uh, this is episode 10 in the bag so thank you very much Tomothy my pleasure this just felt like us normally hanging out but with mics and headphones yeah i think i have to poo now <laughs> anyway guys thanks very much for listening we'll catch you later see you guys yeah it's still recording <laughs>